I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Who's that flop? This is Flop Culture. very welcome back to the third season of Flop Culture. Season three, hope you're well. I'm your host, Fanula Jones. I'm very excited to be back. If you have missed us in the interim, I will say we are on Patreon. Over there, you're getting at least two bonus episodes a month. It's actually been like three bonus episodes a month for the last two months. Generally on more kind of current pop culture topics. And we also have a series called Bop Culture over there where we talk about things that are good and are critically acclaimed or are making loads of money. And we talk about them. So I'd love if you could join me over there if you want to. It's patreon.com forward slash flop culture. But I'm very excited to be back for this regular season. If you love it, if you're absolutely delighted, I'd love if you could give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you leave a five-star rating on Apple and you leave your little nickname or your name, whatever, uh, I will recommend a bop or flop to you at the end of an episode of Flop Culture. So there's a little... There's a little incentive for you. If you're brand new, maybe you're coming in blind here and you're like, I'm lost. I don't know what's going on. On Flop Culture, we talk about flops. We occasionally talk about bops and we talk about everything in between. There's a little bit of celebrity pop culture news before getting into the main topic of the week, the flop in the aforementioned flop culture. And then at the end, I crown who is top of the flops that week, who is having an absolutely horror of a week shall we say that English wasn't great I hope you'll forgive me for that today we're diving headfirst into a movie that's not just a musical not just a sequel but a legendary flop in its own right but should it be that's all up for debate later but first the news Maya Jama and Stormzy are back together never have I seen continents more united and joyous than in the moment that Daily Mail published those photos of them in Greece walking hand in hand like two respective cats that had cream grinning from ear to ear. I wish I'd been in a public place when this news was announced because I would, Im- I would imagine I would have just watched people collectively fall to their knees, right? For anyone who's like, I'm not really understanding the significance of this, Stormzy, uh, rapper, artist, uh, one, in, one in a generation talent. I'm obsessed with him. Maya Jama, host of Love Island. Also a once in a generation talent, I would argue, um, hosted loads of other things. They first met in 2014 and began dating sometime in early 2015. They were dating with kind of before either of them were really famous, but then both kind of got famous at the same time. And then I suppose became this ish couple du jour and were like couple goals that really toxic parasocial thing that people do and potentially we're doing it again now but listen it's neither here nor there really isn't it we won't we won't let that wreck our good time will we anyway people were absolutely obsessed with them we saw them kind of supporting each other throughout their respective careers as they got more and more famous Stormzy was writing songs about Maya um, and then unfortunately they broke up August 2019 decided to split up moved out from each other's gaffes 
They were kind of marred with speculation around infidelity. Stormzy came out at the time and said that's not true. But then in further interviews kind of seemed to hint at mistakes that happened within the relationship, mistakes on his part. And yeah, everyone was kind of really devastated for them. I think they kind of dated other people in between. Maya maybe more so publicly. She was with Ben Simmons. Very recently in 2021, they were actually engaged um, and ended up calling off their engagement. But I think there have been rumours about Maya and Storms getting back together more than once in the interim, but kind of nothing ever seemed to take off in that way. Uh, But the two of them have been posting on social media, uh, respectively, and people were copying that they could maybe see Maya's reflection in Stormzy's glasses. I love it. This is when we go full wag of the Christie on it. We're like, we can see her, Stormzy, don't tell lies. Um, no, obviously neither of them have confirmed this publicly. Maybe they're just friends, you know? Maybe. Who knows? But I won't let that uh, kill my vibe. And if you are back together, and if you are listening, guys, thrilled for you. Thrilled for ye. Right, from bop relationships to flop movies. Let's get into this week's flop, shall we? Released as a sequel to the wildly successful Grease, Grease 2 had the unenviable task of living up to its predecessor's high-octane reputation. From the start, it seemed like a formula for success. A return to Rydell High, the promise of more class tunes and new faces to charm us, the audience. But sometimes... Even the coolest cats can't escape the pitfalls of the sophomore slump. Joining me to grease up those gears and relive the phenomenon that is Grease 2 is writer and co-author of the wildly successful Oh My God, What a Complete Ashing series, Emer McLeisset. Emer McLeisset, thank you so much for joining me on Flap Culture. How are you? I'm good. Thank- thanks for having me. Especially for this topic. Like, I was just about to say, like, it, there's been a couple on my hit list and I've wanted the right people for it. And then I said this on Instagram stories and you said, I'm here, I'm ready. We're going to talk about Greece too. Well, and we're like, going to give it the respect it deserves. Let's do it for our country, Fanula. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, what's your first memory of Greece too, or like your earliest memory? Do you so remember the first time you saw it? My abiding memory is me and my friend Imogen would always sing to each other in school, what would they say if they knew it was Michael? Who's that guy? Which actually <laughs> isn't really how the song goes, but we had first watched it as teenagers. Mm. And I actually asked Imogen recently, I was like, can you remember, wh- why did we, where did we hear about it? Like what? And she said, and to quote, my mother Anna is a grease head. <laughs> <laughs> so she had put us onto it. She was like, how have you've never seen Greece too because it came out in like the early 80s 82 yeah. I think so this was the mid 90s we were coming to it um possibly it was linked to the fact that Empire Records which is like a classic 90s music driven um film with like Liv Tyler and stuff in it the guy the man who plays the dreamboat in Greece too has this amazing kind of cameo role in Empire Records where he plays this aging rock star called Rex Manning and that was just very popular amongst teenagers in the 90s. It was like, happy Re- for happy Rex Manning Day. It's in like April or something. You'd be wishing each other happy Rex Manning Day. Um, A national holiday. So possibly Imogen's mother got wind of the fact that this was the same man. And she was like, well, you simply must watch Grease too." And then, of course, we got obsessed and watched it probably every day for uh, the whole summer or something. I think I saw it on one of like one of the RTs, like either like the midweek. No, it wouldn't have been a midweek movie. I think it was like on at the weekend or something like I, the big big movie or something. I can imagine it maybe on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, wrote, like bringing bringing itself up to the six o'clock news or yeah, something. Yeah, hundred percent. And I just I will never. I have such a clear memory of who's that guy and like yeah. when she swings around to straddle him on the motorbike. I was like, I kind of think that might have been my sexual awakening. To be completely honest, yeah. for the two of them, like it was just I was, and she did that herself. I've learned in researching this movie. But anyway, for anyone who's not familiar, who's never seen this glorious sequel, what is Grease 2 about? Well, it's basically almost the exact same story as Grease 1. <laughs> Shocker. Shocker. No, so so um, Michelle Pfeiffer, and this was like her first major film role. She was only 23, I yeah. think, when she was filming it. Only 23, she's playing like a 16-year-old. Yeah. But, um, she is a pink lady. I think it takes place two or three years after the action of the first Greeks film. So it's still very much the same universe, the same school. And she's a pink lady and she's got her pink lady pals and the T-Birds are still around. And we've got a new 
um, Danny, but this time he's called Johnny. And <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer plays Stephanie and she's just not that happy with her lot. You know, she's kind of Johnny's girlfriend, but she's not that keen on it. And she decides she needs to quote one of the great uh, songs in the film, A Cool Rider. She wants a guy on a cool motorbike. That's, that will make her dreams come true. Meanwhile, a dashing very handsome to us as viewers anyway, English um, student comes. He's a, he has moved to the US and he's Sandy's cousin from the first film. Convenient. Yeah, very convenient. He arrives, um, gets his eyes onto Stephanie, decides he loves her, learns she wants a cool rider and then decides to transform himself into said cool rider and he conceals his identity by wearing what? A motorbike helmet. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's, you know, fighting between the cool rider and the T-Birds and there's this whole other gang of kind of evil motorbike dudes and um, the school is performing for a musical so we get some great tunes there. It's just like one of the greatest things I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree more. It was madder on on rewatch. Yeah. Like some of the shit I was like the whole thing with the other rival gang. I forgot that that kind of I probably Are they called the evil dudes or something. Oh, evil crew, skull squad, oh, skull squad, something <laughs> absolutely fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but I I probably could have done with watching Greece one and then like you. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I was like, I think people kind of think you have a full recollection or like understanding of Greece because it's just permeated so much into culture. Yeah. But there was bits like that where I was like, what? Yeah. Greece. Yeah. Because there's a drag race in in the first yeah. Greece, and I have definitely over the years merged the two films in my head, mm. and I thought a lot of the songs that are in Greece 2 were actually in Greece 1 but then on watching Greece 2 again I was like oh no that's a banger from Greece 2 <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I just loved like I don't remember the first time I ever saw the first Greece film because I think you just by osmosis kind of absorb the Greece megamix into your very being and then you're just you just know Greece mm. you just you know like you said you're like what actually happens I mean Sandy and Danny go off fly off in the car at the yeah. end you know she sings a lovely song yeah. but it's a full film mm. <laughs> it's not just those few songs how does the music in this one then compare to the first one because again there was a lot again a lot I'd forgotten bar um, once I heard Cool Rider I remembered it but obviously Who's That Guy is the one that sticks in my head and then everything else I forgot but I enjoyed a lot of it I don't think everything works but I think that opening track is really good yeah Back to School Back to School yeah, Reproduction this... great yeah so I think Reproduction and Let's Do It For Our Country like they were real sorry my other sexual awakening that was another I was like did I make up the bomb shelter thing and then it started happening I was like yes that here was, we go yeah that is something that really stuck in my mind and actually I think I thought that was from the first film because it was so excellent in my mm. memory <laughs> um, so yeah there's two songs I think the songs are brilliant there are a few stinkers but I mean there's always going to be a few Shreds. stinkers no, I hate um, shreds and I think the reviews of Grease 2 were like, oh, the songs aren't a patch on the songs in the first film. I would like to disagree. Yeah, same. Even just for reproduction, which is a song that they sing in biology class about reproduction. And they're talking a lot about, you know, plants and how does, you know, the pollen get into the stamen or whatever. God, I did biology for my, my leaving cert. <laughs> I'm like, stamen? Is that a thing? <laughs> And I just, I remember being, I think I must have been young enough when I first saw Grease 2 to be kind of mortified when those songs were on. You're kind of like this, just like shielding her. Oh my God, what if my mother walks in and they're singing about reproduction? And then Let's Do It For Our Country is where one of the T-Birds convinces his girlfriend that nuclear war is imminent and they need to get into this bomb shelter and have it off. Um, to I don't know preserve the human race I can't really remember what his what his <laughs> rationale is and he almost gets there and then she cops on but um, I she thinks he wants them he wants them to enlist like so she's like absolutely oh I'm, yeah that's sorry it. it's the best like war propaganda republicanism wanting to shag song yeah. ever I don't know if there are many other songs that fit in that category but I don't care Clear I remember winner. thinking it was one of the most romantic things I'd ever seen See? and in hindsight <laughs> I'm like hmm. he was literally trying to trick her into sex and he had yeah. his friends outside like 
tur- turning around the crank on a on an air raid yeah. siren. And she, I, in my head, they had had sex. But I mean, again... Same. That, I'd like Mandela effect. I was like, they definitely rolled. Yeah. They're in love. And I was like, no, that didn't happen. I mean, they were just kind of, kind of touching each other. And to me, at whatever age I was, I was like, oh my God. Scandalous. <laughs> yeah, absolutely scandalous. And also, I remember really fancying him. He's the, very hot. Yeah, I think Lewis is, is, was his character. And she had lovely curly hair. I just really wanted to be any of them, mm. really. In comparison to Johnny, who's not like a compelling... I actually think, if we're going to talk about issues with this film, and I know, like, he's... The actor's kind of talked about it since we mentioned off-air. There's a really good, like, oral history um, from Entertainment Weekly, which I link in the description and will continue to reference. But he talks about who he wanted to bring this, like, vulnerability to the character, and he's trying to bring it, like, the whole way through, and you kind of see it at the end when he comes around to the English student and, like, gives him the T-bird jacket. But I just found him to be, like, such a fucking dweeb. Yeah, I was like, no wonder Stephanie doesn't want to be... In comparison to, like, Danny Zuko, like, I think Stephanie stands on her own two feet. And then you have Johnny, this absolute loser that I'm like, I can't... How was anyone following him as a T-bird, as a leader, you know? I know, and, like... This idea that Stephanie, who's stu- like Michelle Pfeiffer, so stunning, so cool oh, and the, hot, the and oh. best fringe, and she she is wearing the pink ladies jacket. Like yeah. she she could walk down the street today, and you'd be like, mm, cool outfit. Yeah, um, yeah. The Johnny character, I suppose, because there's another male lead, he's not supposed to be the the John Travolta. That's true. Of, yeah, true. But he is kind of weedy. But interestingly, that actor, like started, I think he, did he originate the role of Danny Zuko on Broadway? So yes. he had played Danny Zuko loads, which I can't really imagine. And then he had I to... I cannot imagine him as Danny though either. Like yeah. it's... And then he had to reimagine himself as a different T-bird. Interestingly, I did read that that was all of his own hair. Yes, <laughs> because like there, uh, another one thing I will say that takes away from it, some of the wigs, yeah. dodgy. Yeah. Paulette is one of Stephanie's friends and she in that oral, oral history talks about like they just started bleaching the shit out of her hair and she was like, um, this kind of hurts. And then they were at the sink and obviously like it all started breaking all off for them. Yeah. So they were like, okay, we'll get a wig. And she's like, well, could we not have, could we not have maybe done that from the start and saved my poor head of hair? Yeah, but yeah. What, how much do you think how close it was to Greece affected it. Like, do you think this could have been way more successful had it not been so close to Greece? Because it did make its money back. But if you look at Greece 1, like Greece made in the hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. at the box office. And I think Greece 2 made like $2 million profit. And as you said, the critics were like, we hate this, yeah. this is shit. But was it just... Was it ever going to move out of Greece One's shadow? Or like... I think reading around the production of it and ideas, it was originally supposed to be there was going to be loads of the... Oh, obviously, not Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta. They weren't going... Well, I think originally it was planned that they would have a cameo and they'd be, you know, a married couple somewhere. Um, I think there seemed to have been a lot of different ideas for what was going to happen. They would pick some of the popular characters from Greece 1 and have them be the main characters and they'd be at summer school and stuff like that. And then it seems like it all just got watered down and watered down until it was this. I mean, and I am a Greece 2 fan, but the plot is Where shaky. is it? Where I mean... <laughs> <laughs> we're expe- I mean, I was going to say we're expected to believe that you can't tell Superman apart from Clark Kent when he takes off the glasses. I mean, when Michael puts on the motorcycle helmet, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> Who is this man? Who's, who's I'll never guy? see him again. Who's that guy? Like, even though me and my friends loved it when we were teenagers, we, st- we were definitely taking the piss out of it as well, yeah. a little bit. Like, what would they there say? There was an awareness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's that guy? Who's that guy? And a lot of it is very cheesy. And I mean, the plot holes are, they are gargantuan. Yeah, like there's a lot happening. You know what I mean? Like it's just like one thing after another. And like the whole subplot with the, it being a school talent show and musical, like that's just so they can crowbar the music. You know, like that's high school musical. You know what I mean? That's so we can add a couple of other songs. And it's so funny reading some of the oral history because like a lot of work went into this film. Um, But because it was panned by critics and because it's kind of a cult classic, it it kind of, in my head, it was a lot less, like there was less money behind it. It was just kind of a, if there had been straight to DVD in 1982, it would have been straight to DVD, but they actually spent way more money on it mm. and put a lot more work into it for it then to just really be a flop. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, as you said, it was intended to be the second film of like a franchise. So like yeah. with the third and fourth film and they were, they were due to take place in the 1960s, but then they were scrapped because Grease 2 did so badly uh, at the box office. Yeah. Do you know what I thought was funny as well? Maxwell Caulfield, who plays the, the English Michael, student, yeah. he wanted the film to be called Son of Grease. <laughs> and was like, actively like campaigning for it and everyone was like, no, fuck off. He that son poor, of Greece, yeah, son of Greece. Oh, I so think good. like he reading. He has a lot of bitterness about this film because mm. it kind of it kind of ruined his career. He's he, been in bits and bobs since and done I mean, like he was, he was Rex Manning in Empire Records. So yes. to me, he will always be an icon. Yeah, yeah. but he like has said, oh, he was supposed to be the next John Travolta. He was supposed to be the big star. And I mean, he he had. It all going for him. Like he is, I had forgotten how good looking he is in Greece too. And when he, because I haven't seen it in a good few years now and then I watched it again recently mm. and he came on screen and I gasped. I was like, what's no, he, he always is that beautiful? So, that typical preppy, angelic, oh, just. His, the blonde hair and his, ta- he was just beautiful. Mm. And I had just forgotten that. I think I was so taken with let's do it for our country. <laughs> Understandable. Like that to me, they were they were the stars, and I was like, "Oh, Lewis, take me to the bomb shelter <laughs> and lie to me." <laughs> what a sentence! Yeah, uh, he's been quoted as saying, "Before Grease Two came out, I was being hailed as the next Richard Gere or John Travolta. Yeah. However, when Grease Two flopped, nobody would touch me. It felt like a bucket of cold water had been thrown on my face. It took me ten years to get over Grease Two, which is like the complete opposite of Michelle Pfeiffer. Like this could have tanked." Yeah. her career for yeah. her first role and I think I'd read somewhere that she was like a wild card even in terms of the casting process they were looking at loads of other people and her agent she was like her agent was like go to this and she was like okay and then went and it was like then she got it and she felt really self-conscious because she wasn't really very musical even in terms of dancing yeah. like some parts of the dance audition she was like oh I was definitely watching it again, kind of holding my breath whenever she was singing or dancing. I was like, I just don't... Because if that if they had been her forte, she would have carried on mm. doing those, you know, through her career. But I think that might be the only film where she's singing and dancing. She never, like, leaned on it again. But, yeah, I mean, she definitely stands out, I think, as, you know, the best actor of the bunch, I guess. Mm. Um, and she has a lot of presence. And I think... Um, she was included on a like a BuzzFeed list or something a few years ago and it was like, oh, roles actors wish they could forget or they should be embarrassed by. And she kind of hit back at it and was like, I'm not embarrassed by that. that was yeah, my first, I loved that. Yeah. I was like, yes, Michelle. It's like it was my first big role. It was amazing. Like, we're very proud of the film that we made. And yeah, it's just wild to me that that's the film they made after the first Grease was such a success. Mm. Because... It could have been so much better. I think the Broadway show of Greece, as is always the way, is much kind of edgier and grittier than the film turns out to be. Have you ever seen Annie, the musical, on stage? No. It is quite different right. to the film. Um, I remember going to see it as kind of an, a long time Annie Stan from when I was a kid and going to see the um, the stage show and being like, where's all the songs I know? What's all this war stuff? <laughs> It's a little bit traumatising. A little bit traumatising, a little bit bit disappointing. But yeah, I think originally they had planned for Grease 2 to be grittier. Okay. And like it was 1982 and they were putting Stephanie as the main character, whereas in Grease 1, Danny Zuko's the main character. And then she, in the first Grease, Olivia Newton-John is very like prim and proper and, you know, wearing the little skirts where Stephanie is much harder and cooler. And I think the Pink Ladies as a whole are a bit more evolved mm. in the second film. Not much. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just because an another crazy plot point is, I can't remember if this was the the fa- the point in Greece. One is you, if you're a pink lady, you have, your boyfriend has, has to, be to be a, a T-bird. T-bird. Yeah. I couldn't remember if that was the case in the first film. Neither could I when they were hammering it out so so strenuously. They I was kept like, what? making it a point. And I was like, why is this a rule? Yeah. Like, this makes no sense. And also, Johnny was trying to get with Stephanie, 
But then he was also kind of with Paulette. He was that another pink lady. For, when that whole post like bowling scene yeah. song. A cracker. Oh, an absolute, absolute we're going to score tonight. Your man <laughs> said he had to get like a double knee replacement over the pandemic because yeah. he was knee sliding so much and yeah. the scene and like dancing in the bowling alley was obviously like really hard because it's so slippy. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. That is a cracker. Like the songs are so good. And yeah. The set pieces are so good. So, so good. It's It's unusually... Usually it's like things are greater than the sum of their parts. But I'm wondering if we take Grease 2 apart, is that better? Yeah, than I think putting so. the whole thing together. I think it's just, it's so fun and it's so camp in the true sense it of the word. Because I, so I think people bandy that around nowadays. And I'm like, how could you not say this is camp when it's like she doesn't recognise him when he has goggles and a helmet on. She yeah. has no idea who he is. Yeah. There's a whole luau scene at the end that it's I'm like, where did they get the budget from? And apparently they shot that in the middle of winter and it was, so it was freezing. Like it's just... It's so good. I forgot to say on uh, Maxwell Caulfield, actually his, one of his most recent credits is Pam and Tommy, which is like... Oh, I, I never watched that. Yeah, and rightly so, because it's probably an abomination. Um, <laughs> one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I think they'd also been looking at, as you mentioned, uh, them kind of reworking the Danny and Sandy characters and bringing John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John back. Yeah. Um, and kind of them being married or whatever and they'd be running like a gas station and they had yeah. a song to go with that called that Gas of, Pump Jockey. It which kind of made that whole revelation made me very sad. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we can't have them flying off into the sunset in the flying car. And then like, no, uh, you know, running a petrol station I'm is a great a career. But, but they just run a petrol station up the road after all that, after all we invested in them. I know. Actually, Stephanie, interestingly, in Greece too, works, I think, in her family petrol station. Yes. So she's not like this rich girl who has ha- had everything handed to her. Like she's very much, and of course, her being good with cars and motors is very attractive to the cool rider, mm. a.k.a. Michael. Who's that guy? Who's that guy? <laughs> what else or who else stands out for you in Greece too beyond um, Stephanie and Michelle Pfeiffer's performance? The guy who plays Goose, who actually went <laughs> Sorry, on... I'm really glad you brought this up because for the whole thing, I was like, he's so familiar. He's so familiar. This is wrecking my head. Looked it up. He's Shooter fucking McGavin in Happy Gilmore. <laughs> I was like... And I think that's his only other part in role. He's but in, his name is something MacDonald, his name in real life. He is an actor that's in loads of things. Christopher MacDonald. Christopher MacDonald. And you, he's one of those guys, you look at him and you're like, oh, that's that guy. That's in everything. Mm. Most recently, I, um, if you've seen Hacks, he plays Marty, who's the casino owner in Hacks. Okay. Um, and that's where I was like, where do I know that man from? And I was like, oh my God, it's Goose from Greece too. But I love him because um, very specifically in the song Reproduction, he's the one who sings, where does the pollen go? <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of my favourite bits. Ever. Like Reproduction is such a banger. It's so good. It's so good. And it's all, it's all staged in a classroom or a Yeah, a they had like an, a, they had had an old high school that they were able to shoot in that yeah. it wasn't being used. Or I think it might, I think that. it was the same school that yeah. they filmed the first film in. Okay, um, and just some of the choreography and the staging of those pieces are so good. I think the woman who directed Grease Two did all the choreography yeah. for the first film, so you know that's her forte. Um, but yeah, I love Goose mainly because he sings that song about where does the pollen go. Um, who else? The the leader of the the other rival motorcycle gang. Belmondo. Belmond- what the fuck is his name again? Yeah, yeah but ba- something. Belmondo. Yeah. He's so evil. He's so... But like, how old is he? Is he supposed to be a teenager as well? Or he, is he an adult? He, I'm not exaggerating when I say he looks at least 47. <laughs> like... like- <laughs> 
Tennessee Stewart as Leo Leo Balmundo crater face leader of the cycle lord sorry I called them skull gang cycle earlier lord. Jesus I'm Christ evil dudes appeared as the gang leader of the scorpions in the previous film okay correction we've all that corrected I'm sorry he well, looks I'd forgotten he was even in the previous film like it was just I was like how I kind of love that because it's like I know they're all adults cast as teenagers as well so like that's not believable in its own right but then you have this rival again we're supposed to believe as teenagers and your man is like he's definitely ancient. drawing a pension you he's know what I mean ancient. like he's so oh, riding a motorbike hassling these teenagers like what are you doing I was actually surprised to find out that um, Michelle Pfeiffer had only been 23 because in my head they were all in their, at least in their late 20s yeah. filming that she yeah um, and then we also had Frenchie, who's a really memorable character from the first film. She's the one who's the beauty school dropout. She's really the only standout character who returns, apart from Craterface, mm. but she um, returns and has quite a big part. And she kind of takes Michael under her wing because he's Sandy's cousin. And I promise Sandy, I'd look out for you. So um, they have some some cute scenes together. And then another character I love is Dolores. Yes. She is the younger sister of one of the pink ladies. Paulette, is it? I think it's Paulette's sister. And she's with them all the time. She's quite obviously younger. She has pigtails, but she's just so scrappy. And then her and Michael are also friends and that's really cute. And yeah, there's just some great characters. So good. And like, I'm, I'm here talking about how great it is and the songs are great and then I'm like why was it such a flop and why would a lot of people be like oh, that is shite <laughs> I, just, I don't get it like this yeah. is what we're here we're here to we're here to correct the course of history like yeah. we're to correct people yeah yeah. Uh, Christopher McDonald who is Goose actually also went for Johnny's role but he said and I quote this is to Entertainment Weekly in that oral history uh, they couldn't wash the Irish off of his face. Oh, so, well, like, it is hard to deny a big Irish head. Yeah, he yeah. does. It, like, look up a bit if you've again if you've never seen Grease too. Correct that. But the minute you see him, like he does have a, such a big Irish head on him. Like, it's yeah. impressive. Um, Eve Arden also came back as Principal McGee, and it was actually oh, her yeah, last yeah. her last role. Oh, um, no way. Which is interesting. Yeah, R.I.P. So as or, I mentioned, she's just retired. She's, she's just retired. Um, yeah. So as I mentioned, grossed fifteen million dollars against a production budget of eleven million dollars. Um, when you compare that to Greece, Greece made like one hundred thirty-two million dollars, and that was just in the US, actually. So it's probably, oh my god, so much more. And imagine how much money it's still making. Like just those royalties keep rolling in. This is the thing, but like it was also as well as. A part of me wonders would it have done better had it not been up against these like these monster movies at the box office. So it was up against like E.T., Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, whatever, Rocky Three, and Poltergeist. Yeah. Like they, like three, at least three of those movies, it's like they're hard hitters. Like yeah. how are you going to compete with a C- You know what I mean? Like it's Wasn't just... Poltergeist Steven Spielberg as well? Did the man ever take some time no, off? No, I don't think so. He was just, he could not be stopped in so the I 80s. I was oh obsessed my God. with those Poltergeist films when I, I was younger. Another one I've never seen. Mm. I mean, looking scary. Yeah, scary. Scary or just weird. Scary, but also, I mean, that the special effects and stuff haven't really stood the test of time. Okay, but still very good. But like, there's famous. You know, the call is coming from inside the house. Like that's a that's a poltergeist Ah, quote. Okay, yeah, and the the kid communicating through the television and stuff. So there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of pop culture touchstones that come from poltergeist. but I mean, that's a different podcast. <laughs> Truly, you are more than welcome Can back we to... Can we talk about Michael M- Michael as the new guy, English guy, transformation into the cool rider? Because he arrives at Rydell High having never been on a motorbike. Oh, with it, like a sweater tied around his shoulders. Like yeah. Francis Brennan, like could never, you know? And then, and then he saves up money by doing the T-Birds term papers for them because he's also very smart. Yeah. Then he buys himself like this heap of shit, bit of a moped, and then somehow transforms it into, I don't know what a really... Yeah, crashes it initially and then transforms it into a bike that's capable of levitation, seemingly like. Yeah. And um, gets a leather jacket that he kind of makes my skin crawl. He wears the leather jacket with nothing underneath. So I'm just imagining the pleather touching the skin, (gasps) but he does have it zipped almost all the way down to his belly button, which I really appreciate. But the chief, Emer on yeah. the nipples. Yeah, and just, no, just the stickiness of, of the leather against his skin. Now, I think, again, whenever they filmed this, there was a story from set as well that they like they were made to, one of the, when they first meet Cool Rider, the girls are, they, they 
made them suck like ice cubes that you couldn't see their breath. It was so cold. Oh my God. Which is crazy. Like hearing shit like that, it's just, I love that first scene as well when he gets the bike and he like totals it like yeah. and Frenchie's trying to help him as well. Apparently there was supposed to be another, Diddy Khan came back because they told her she'd have her own number again, like beauty yeah. school dropout yeah. with the motorbike. And then she just, she was like, they filmed it and I don't even think there was film in the camera. Like I have no idea. I'd like, which <laughs> kind of made me so sad. It seems um, like there was a lot of stuff being like pulled and taken out and put back in for a film that they put so much money in and they were banking a lot on it being a big hit. And it seems like they just didn't really take care of it that much. I think they spent so much money on the luau scene at the end and they were like, fuck. Where and it only Frenchie kind of, gotta go cut your cut everything's cut it only kind of dawned on me that the luau is signifying the end of the school year mm. so we've been through a whole school year over the course of the film mm. but it actually feels like maybe four days it feels so <laughs> quick and I know like obviously but it, like the timing is just it's not there, I yeah. don't think. I mean, that it wasn't that wasn't the forefront of of you know what they were trying to portray. They weren't worried about timelines. No. I just can't even fathom what school has the budget for like that one, the musical. We need to come back and talk yes, about the yeah. scale of the production there. The luau like was just essentially like a prom, but like there was a massive pool and then they floated the the winners of the talent show out in the pool who ended up being Stephanie and Johnny, would you believe? Like it's just and then but somehow then the motorbike squad, the evil motorbike squad finds out about the luau. And they're like, well, we're going to trash this luau. It's like, why are you taking it out in the school? What has the school done to you? Like, and then who what? saves the day? Cool. The cool rider. <laughs> After seemingly dying. Like, what? I also kind of forgot that. I was like, I couldn't remember whether he came back at the end. I was like, maybe he dies for the full thing. Kind of like, no, yeah, slay no, twist so there's, there's a tra- There's a tragic... Um, so tragic you know Dark Knight of the Soul where Stephanie thinks that the cool rider has flown off the edge of a kind of a bridge or a into a quarry or something like isn't it and she thinks he's dead so she's kind of mourning him but she's also kind of fancying Michael who's been giving her grinds grinds, basically (laughs) and who I mean another thing like Michael shows up and he is quite clearly the clearly the most beautiful person who's ever set foot on the, in that school and nobody takes any notice of him. No no heads turn, nobody goes, who is that big ride who just joined our school? Nobody at all. And then Stephanie's like, oh my God, I have to spend time with this nerd. Perhaps that's the most unrealistic thing about the I movie. I think it might be. Like, I think it's more unrealistic than him teaching himself how to basically be evil Knievel. <laughs> In a very short period, again, maybe they, maybe it appears, maybe it's supposed to be longer in the actual timeline, but it seems very short to us. This is also extremely horny, but when he's, when he's, for all um, of her extreme horniness on flat culture. When he's training himself to be the motorbike rider, he is wearing a grey tracksuit. Yeah. Or at least a grey sweatshirt. And it is stunning. He's just. Like, just watch it, just, just to look at him. I'm thinking about the, the the straddle scene again. Oh my God. Like just, he turns up at the petrol station and she's trying to do her job. Yeah. He's like, want to ride? And then they go off and I'm just, oh, I mean, her, just, her... imagine kissing someone. You've no idea what they look like. You actually have no idea who they are. You're just so horny because they ride a motorcycle yeah. and they wear leather. Yeah, her, her self-preservation is not on high alert. No. Because she is literally just getting on the back of this motorbike with the man where... How does she not know it's him? I just... Because it's he, not even It's the scene where helmet. he's like slowly starting to take off the goggles and yeah. then someone, he's like, I'm, I need to tell you something and then something happens and he's yeah. like, right, I need to leave by... Or I think the lads turn up, the T-Birds turn up. Like, it's just... And she's like, that's a face I've never seen before. Because he's wearing one of those old school motorbike helmets where it's like, it's not... It doesn't have a visor. Yeah. He's wearing just a helmet and then it's got these big goggles. But I don't even think the goggles are like fully <laughs> opaque. You know what I mean? Because I was looking at some of the scenes, I was like... What? Stephanie, what's your eyesight like, babe? Like, that's... (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why they bothered having him have this kind of dual personality. It would have been better if he wasn't this secret cool rider mm. but if it was you know what if they did know it was Michael yeah I don't know like people just love like a transformation scene you know what I mean yeah. they love uh, she's all that you know like but and I love I love it when it's a man I love I love that gender swap I'm like yes give yeah, it to me give yeah. it to me boy being coming cool yes absolutely hooks um, my veins you mentioned the school musical that they were having I think as this is part of the reason again why I loved it because it was so aspirational like our school musicals were 
They weren't the right El High no. talent show. No. That's for sure. Original music, like yeah. a costuming, like yeah. production design. And another thing that felt unrealistic is that all of the coolest kids in school really wanted to be in the talent show. Yeah, I was like, when they were all, when the two, those two cheerleaders, but they're kind of perceived to be like nerdy characters. Like oh, the, when, yeah. when Michael gets there and she in the corner and they're, he's like, says about playing piano and they're like, well, you have to play piano for us or oh, the I talent show or whatever piano playing yeah. But like, yeah but did you see when they're initially rehearsing and he's like at the piano and he's like da, 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 and he said in an interview after like it, it looks like you know the RTE thing where your one is like fake typing the keyboard or whatever it was that right but he said in an interview after he's like that obviously wasn't me playing uh, playing piano it's like a saloon I was like well you fucking think like thanks for I think we got that always, there's, a no, there's a few things that always baffle me in films that they don't just get it right. One is when people pretend to play the piano, you can always tell they're yeah. not playing it. Yeah. Why would you why would you act like he, he acts like he's a puppet? Banging. Somebody's pulling. It's, Another uh, thing, and this doesn't happen in Greece too, but when they when you need a photograph of somebody who's in a film and you need a photograph of them as their younger selves and they Photoshop it, it is always the worst Photoshop job you have ever seen. Yeah. I have seen the biggest budget blockbuster movies have photos of someone a younger character as the as the you know you know what I mean the younger version <laughs> yes. of the character yeah yeah and they've just given it to a two year old and hits out here photoshop that to make them look younger drives me mad anyway there you go <laughs> directors if you're listening don't be at that shit right yeah. spend a few bob yeah the musical <sighs> yeah so our school my school musicals were uh, we did Oliver in fourth year I played Oliver <laughs> because it was all girls. Classic. I actually played Danny Zuko before for a musical. No. Yeah. Was when I had the Frankie Sanford haircut. Well, like, heavy air quotations because it didn't resemble anything fucking like her. But yeah, you know, oh. like the cropped short. Yeah. You're like my my friend Imogen, my, another Grace 2 fan who had the uh, Natalie Imbruglia head haircut. <sighs> Shout out oh, Imogen. Oh, yeah. Shared trauma. We yeah. love it. Yeah, it just didn't look great with the wine uniform. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just, I think because American films were kind of all we had when we were teenagers and everything just seemed so much bigger and brighter and sexier and better looking and we were just like in this horrific assembly hall doing a Gilbert and Sullivan operetta. Like, it was grim. <laughs> so the Rydell High School Musical was... And obviously the Pink Ladies number, Girl for All Seasons. So good. Like, I feel like that was a worldwide international hit. Yeah. In my head it was. Like, everyone <laughs> knows that song. Number one in my iPod. <laughs> Number one in my house. <laughs> like, I had forgotten. Again, I think I thought Girl for All Seasons was in the first Grease film. That's how important I thought mm. the song was. Though I will say, you know, when Stephanie starts like disassociating because she's like mourning the death of yeah. Cool Rider and sings her own song and everyone around her is like, what's happening? <laughs> if I was one of the other girls, I'd be kind of pissed off because yeah. like the amount of effort they put into the costumes, everything, and then she hijacks the whole thing and then wins and then isn't even happy about it because she's depressed. I would have been mad. the pink ladies seem, they, they're not that tight of a group. No, but even the fact that when like Paulette is like all over Johnny. Now, Stephanie doesn't seem that bothered. I'm right, you so because Johnny's a fucking loser. But like, <laughs> I was like, I feel like there'd be some le- small level of annoyance. I no? feel like there, there would be a fight between Stephanie and Paulette, but there's not. No. Paulette's like, Johnny, I love you. Please look at me. And he's like, I can't. <laughs> Stephanie's in the room. He's actively trying to ask Stephanie back out. It's like, what? <laughs> And Stephanie's just shrugging, going, I want a cool rider. And then Paul, a Paulette's like, I have my tits out. <laughs> <laughs> anything? Anything? <laughs> oh, my God. Poor Paulette. I have to say, I love the T-Bird song for, that they end up doing for the musical. Like, I'm, yeah. what, but why? One thing I'm not sure of. So, like, prior to... So, it's I think... called Prowling. Prowling. <laughs> I think they audition initially and it's kind of, like, kind of shit, but they don't... Do they get through or don't they get through? I'm they, not sure. Well, they do because doesn't Johnny end up winning? Johnny ends up winning, but it's but it, there's a whole scene before that where there's another three like tenor kind of doo wop style boys, and they end up like tying them up and like leaving them somewhere oh, and yeah. taking their place. Yeah, not really sure what the point of of that was. Well, see, we've already seen them doing prowling during their audition, so I mean they have to show them doing something else. Yeah, then, true. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. we want to shoehorn in another song. Yeah, great song, I will say. Great, great performance. Song. I was trying to think as well, like what other film musicals have we had since that have been anywhere near Greece too? Now, I haven't seen West Side Story, the new one, or the other one, In the Heights, but I mean... Are in the Heights is... 
if you haven't missed flop. anything, yeah. That was a bit of a flop. Yeah, I remember I was in charge of picking movies that Christmas. What, the, what was that, 2021? And my sister and brother were actively annoyed because they were like, this is kind of boring. I was like, sorry. Like, I, <laughs> nobody else is picking things. Sorry that I stood up and picked a movie. Anyway, sorry, I'm trauma dumping here myself. But yeah, like, it was, it was fine. Like, it wasn't, like, terrible, but, like, didn't hugely... Didn't capture me, you know, in the same way. I feel like the era of the excellent musical film musical died with Grease too. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't seen the new West Side Story either. Have you seen the the Grease prequel that was out recently, The Rise of the Pink Ladies? It was on Paramount Plus. No, I haven't and I don't really know why it exists. Okay. We don't why? need I don't know. Yeah. Leave it alone. Yeah. I just it's like it's like production companies and studios, whatever, they'll take anything and be like, oh, we should, we should turn, like, it's like with the new Barney film. It's like, has no one got any new content? Is there nothing new? I love Barney as much as the next person. A huge fan as a child. Um, Why are they making it scary and weird? You know what I mean? For the sake of, and also love Daniel Kaluuya, right? But my boyfriend is making terrible choices here. Why are you doing that? You know what I mean? Why are we just making things weird and scary for like... It's going to lean into millennial angst. Like what? But like, we have enough of, why do we need to lean into anything? We have enough of that, actually. I don't need to see that in my arse. It's like Rise of the Pink Ladies. It's just like, come up with a new idea. Yeah. Come up with something brand new that isn't just, hey, people like those pink lady jackets. Let's turn it into it. Now, maybe it's a great TV show. I haven't seen it. I have heard middling reviews. Okay. So I don't think you're missing it, but I think you make a great point around that they built a prequel and will probably continue to build sequels around like jackets, around clothes, around leather jackets and pink satin bomber jackets. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and it's like, how can we get millennials into, into the... Cinema and it's like Barney. I mean, okay, Barbie is Barbie is a separate story. Uh, that's a very worthy. Yeah. Um, and they're not. I mean, all, there was never a Barbie film before, apart from like the ones for kids. Mm. Um, so I'm very excited about Barbie. Yeah, but I same. don't. Maybe the Barney thing will be amazing. I'm look. I'm happy to keep my words if that is the case. But I don't know. I was I was too, way too old for Barney, but I was babysitting when Barney was a thing, and it was terrifying. Yeah, it actually was kind of terrifying. I loved him. He was a huge source of... What did you love about him? Guiding in my life. <laughs> um, I just... I, I liked that he was there for the children. <laughs> this feels like therapy. Oh, my God. Um, I liked the songs. I think he taught me a lot of valuable lessons. Okay, yeah. Much like Grease too. Much like Grease too. yeah, absolutely. Um, so you do, But you fundamentally don't think there's a prequel or a sequel... Do you, in Greece overall or like what, specifically what about Greece 2 is there any like prequel or sequel story you'd like to see with those characters oh not really that's completely because, fair because I would want this I would I would want to go back in time like I'm an old romantic so like when I like I would love to see what happens with Michael and Stephanie after they yell cut and then it's like oh we get to go and see them on their first date oh aren't they cute like but I would want them to go back to 1982 and film it I don't want now now Maxwell Caulfield or whatever his name Maxwell Caulfield and Michelle Pfeiffer I don't want to see them like you know doddering around yeah no (laughs) they're not even that old yet but you know what I mean (laughs) but you wouldn't want to see anyone else recast as the characters either because they're so you could, like, I cannot envision I anyone else yeah. Yeah. being them. Imagine some, imagine someone decided to remake Grease 2. I'd be up for that. Kind of same. Just for the bangers of songs. Yeah. I know they, they do some, the live versions of things in the US. Yes. Like they had live, yeah, Grease yeah, yeah. Live. And Vanessa some, was uh, Rizzo, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would like it. Vanessa Ann Hudgens. I don't know why I said Vanessa as a f- <laughs> first name basis, fuck's sake. Nessa. Yeah, Nessa, my old, my old flower. <laughs> uh, okay, well then who would play... Uh, Stephanie and Michael then ooh 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 oh my god that's a good one do you know what the first person who came into my mind for Michael and this is wrong is the guy from the 1975 what Emer what maybe him for Johnny actually yeah I could yeah I could see him being one of them yeah I was just trying to think of like a guy an English guy Daniel Taylor Joy is coming to mind for Stephanie but I don't know if they're just blonde you know what I mean yeah yeah she could do it is she a bit too Prestige. Who's, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I need Andrew need Garfield, be, but like younger. Andrew Garfield, um, in an interview when he was promoting Tick, Tick, Boom, said Grease 2 is in one of his top five musicals of all time. Taste. And like, that's we why we stand that Andrew man. Andrew Garfield was yeah. a good man. Oh, as if I needed another reason. I My know, God. Yeah. Did you like Tick, Tick, Boom? I haven't seen that. Did, Does that yeah. count as a musical movie? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I did like it. It's really good. Um, it feels very... Like true to rent, 
The music, okay. like it, yeah. it feels like a natural companion to Rent. Obviously, um, Andrew Garfield plays the man who wrote Rent yeah. and then went to, to die kind of suddenly very young. Um, but it's very good. Yeah, okay. I would recommend that. Yeah, I need to watch I love that. a musical. Oh, but I was going to ask, that brings me on to my next thing, just because I'm trying to think of stuff that's coming out soon. Mean Girls the Musical? Are you a fan? What are I you thinking about that movie adaptation? I, I haven't seen Mean Girls the Musical on stage. Okay. And I'm interested to see it. Okay. Um, I have seen Legally Blonde the, the musical on Broadway and it's brilliant. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I think people um, kind of put down stage musicals and musicals in general and then go and see them and they're like, oh, this is actually brilliant. Mm. And Heather's the musical. Have you ever seen that? No. It was actually in Dublin there Breed recently. Breed Heather's, yeah. Um, it's great. Okay. And like, it's quite different. I mean, it's the same general vibe to the film, but it's it's obviously... And talk about camp. That is one of the campus things I've ever seen. It's oh, really, really good. And camp. like iconic music scenes and just it's one of those things that you know goes viral on TikTok every couple of months it's somebody doing the opening scene from Heather's the Musical um, um, I'm trying to think are there any other musicals coming out don't know of any yeah not off the top of my head either I know we were talking about prequels there a second ago and I actually forgot that there is one as far as I'm aware still in the works the last update on this was 2021 I think so it was I think originally they were planning a sequel and it was going to go straight to DVD and that was 2008 and then that project never happened and then they started planning one again Summer Loving with John August attached to write the screenplay that was with Paramount um, and now it has Brett Haley in line to direct he's not a huge name he's done a lot of indie and kind of streaming bits but as far as I'm aware that is still in the works and, and it happening. would be a Grease prequel. It's a Grease 1 prequel. So it's like following, basically when Danny and Sandy shag, like, which I'm like, can you sustain oh, that for all the film? summer? Yeah. Yeah, I'd watch that. Kind of same. Actually, as I said out loud, I'm like, I was like criticising it and then I said out loud, I was like, I probably would watch a movie about them Although shagging. can we, can we, oh, I was about to say something deeply problematic. <laughs> <laughs> can we reanimate Olivia Newton-John? Well, I'm assuming they. I'm assuming there's going to be a recast thing, but I'd say in their head it would have been like again they would have come back in cameos in some way, like yeah. they're in a re- they're in a restaurant I or somewhere. To, I don't want to see a, an aging John Travolta being like, oh, remember when I was Daddy Zuko when I was your age? Yeah, oh my God, yeah, no, I I think we need to let. The, hopefully, that's another project that just we kind of hear nothing about ever again. And it, I always thought dies. it was really interesting that Maxwell Caulfield, who is this relatively unknown actor who plays Michael in Grease 2 was in two of the most important films of my teenage years which was Grease 2 and Empire Records he plays a vastly different character in Empire Records but still just so important Mm. and then you say it to people and they're like I don't know who that is Was Empire Records a flop? Um, Do you know what I don't know the fact that I never saw it in the cinema actually doesn't say much because my closest cinema was in Nace and it had one screen for most of the time. And then it got a second screen that I think had 15 seats. So, I mean, Empire Records probably wasn't going to make it onto the screen there. Oh my God. Okay, so the budget was $10 million for for this. Empire Records? Yeah, it made $300,000. Stop it. Well, do you know what? I probably bumped them up by a few million (laughs) with my constant rentals of Empire Records from Extravision Nice. So, and everyone I knew had the Empire Records soundtrack and everyone I knew, like there was a couple of original songs in it. Um, Everyone I knew knew those songs. I don't know. You know, there's sometimes in kind of regional parts of Ireland and I'm sure everywhere else, things kind of take hold. Yeah. Certain films or, you know, I remember the first Stereophonics album mm. was also very big and nice. I don't know <laughs> how big it was anywhere else. So Shout out nice. I was only there recently for the first time. What a lovely town. Uh, there used to be a sign on your way in off the Joe Carriageway that said a nice place to shop, which I always thought was a bit rich because it was not a nice place to shop. <laughs> it is now. It's lovely. Nice town council if you're yeah, listening. We love it. Okay, you need to come back and do Empire Records because the, the more I'm even like reading about this from the Wikipedia, I'm like, sign me up. I need oh, to you should watch it. it. You'd love Debbie it. Debbie Mazars in it. Oh my God. Yeah, okay. it's, it's got so... It's got... An, it's so, so good. Liv Tyler's amazing in it. She's like this ditzy indie girl. Um... As I said, Maxwell Caulfield plays Rex Manning, who the aging rock star and Liv Tyler's in love with him and he's a very problematic character in it. Um, it's really good. Okay. 
I can't wait to chat about that. I'm so excited. <laughs> we've, we've already picked the next episode. It's great. Um, Emer, it's been a pleasure. Before you go, I would love to kind of hear your one-liner as to why ultimately Greece 2 flopped, but then also, I suppose, why you don't think it's a flop and why it should be embraced by the masses. Greece 2 was a victim of its terrible plot, but is saved by its absolute bangers and the truly stunning Maxwell Caulfield. <laughs> and if you have never seen it, do yourself a treat. I think it's on Paramount Plus. Mm. Um, or you can sure rent it somewhere. It's just such good fun. And Michelle Pfeiffer in a very early role and you're never going to see her in anything else like that again. It's so fun. It's so kind of, there's an underlyingness of horniness, which it's, I suppose yeah. Grease 1 was as well, but yeah. Fear. No, they, this is way hornier. They actually say, again, in that oral history that I keep quoting, they say when they're doing the reproduction song, like they said, like the atmosphere, they kind of allude to the fact that they were all like riding each other, essentially. They said oh, it was just like so that. horny, like the choreography and like doing it over and over again, the choreography, but each other as well, probably. Yeah, so there you go. It's a very horny film. Love it. I'm surprised. I'm sure it was on RTE on a Saturday afternoon, and nobody thought that it might have some very horny scenes in it. Yeah, and probably a few people had some sexual awakenings. You were one of them. Me, me. <laughs> it was me. I might go home and watch it again tonight. I want to watch it again now. <laughs> oh my god, Ema, this is such a joy. Uh, thank you so much. Where can people uh, read more of your work, and if they want to find out more about you, where can they do so? Um, the so I'm one of the co-authors of the Ashling books and the fifth one is out at the end of August um, and it's called Ashling Ever After. Um, I also am a columnist for the Irish Times on Fridays and I'm on social media at Emer the Screamer, a name I would not have picked in 2007 had I known Twitter was going to take off the way it did. <laughs> there you go. I love it. I love it. Emer, thank you so much for joining me on Flap Culture. Much appreciated. Thanks, Vanula. And, as Emer mentioned, the final instalment of the Oh My God, What a Complete Ashing series, Ashing Ever After, is out now, August 31st, today, in-store and online. Go get it. It's so good. I'm in the middle of it right now, and I'm traumatised that it's finishing, but it's it's so worth it. And I don't want to say anything else because I don't want to spoil it for people. I know this is a franchise that means so much to the mega fans. And if you haven't read Oh My God, What a Complete Ashing yet... Get on it. Don't be an idiot from across the road about it, all right? If you want to watch Grease 2, it's available to stream on Paramount+. Plus. And before I bid you adieu and drive my car straight into the sky, uh, let's see who is top of the flaps this week. You're a flop. Top of the flaps this week. It's a double crowning. This will be of no surprise to anyone who has watched The Idol, who subscribed to the Flap Culture Patreon and heard the episode with myself and past guest Rebecca Keane talking about The Idol, Top of the Flaps this week, The Weeknd and Sam Levinson, as The Idol has been cancelled after one season. This is the statement from the HBO spokesperson that was given to the press this week, which basically says a whole lot of nothing. Quote, The Idol was one of HBO's most provocative original programmes and we're pleased by the strong audience response. After much thought and consideration, HBO, as well as the creators and producers, have decided not to move forward with a second season. We're grateful to the creators, cast and crew for their incredible work. Season one was five episodes of some of the worst television I've ever seen. I think it was meant to run for six and then something happened in the interim. Uh, I think the decision around cancelling wasn't as much to do with that. Uh, as it was the kind of lack of clarity around, I think, what cast members had signed up for. So I think Moses Sumney, who's in the series, said that he had signed on thinking it was a limited series. But Devine Joy Randolph had told Variety in an interview that she thought everyone's intention was to have a second season. Now, the show does not need a second season because, I mean, even if it did have a second season, it has its work cut out for it in trying to unknot and untie whatever that ending of the first season was. Never has anything made less, less sense. And I think it is absolutely for the better that they don't revisit it because, I mean, I, I it's been interesting because in that Patreon episode with Rebecca Keane that I don't mean to keep plugging, but we did speak about it there. I, we, we questioned how The weekend could come back from something like this. And look, he's gone on and he's in the middle of this really successful tour and seeing stats every other day about him breaking attendance records in venues in the States and stuff like that. So 
maybe he will move past this. I don't know. And it will just be a blip in his radar. Maybe he'll look back on it and laugh. Maybe it'll be a thing where it's brought up in interviews and he'll sort of say he's really proud of it. Think they executed a vision, whatever else, blah, blah, blah. Maybe he'll pretend it never happened. I don't know. But I think it's definitely for the best for him that this doesn't move forward. I don't think there could have been a second season without him, though. In another respect, it was... I mean, it was wild, that journey that it went on uh, from being the show spearheaded by a, a female director, Amy Semitz, to being replaced by Sam Levinson, who is controversial in his own right, euphoria creator and lots of accusations put towards him around unsafe working environments and stuff like that. You've had euphoria stars like Sidney Sweeney come out and defend him and other people and the whole context of that remains very murky. But yeah, a show that had so much potential and ended up being truly one of the worst things I've ever seen. Like if I could go back and eternal sunshine of the spotless mind that from my brain, I would. Because obviously this show is all about like things that are quote unquote bad and stuff like that. This was just bad. This wasn't like so bad it's good or like so bad it's funny. This is a comfort watch. Ha ha ha, I can take things from this. This was just bad. And if you've never watched The Idol, I feel so desperately jealous of you and you don't need to, ever. Just trust me on that. You don't have to trust me on a lot of things, but you can trust me on that. Anyway, that's it for me. We're back next week with another movie flap that the Lamely might be interested in. I cannot wait for that. I'm so excited. Flap Culture is on social media, Instagram and TikTok. Flap Culture underscore pod. That's at Flap Culture underscore pod. Please follow us there. As this is the first episode back for the season, I'd love to thank Luke on video. Much appreciated. Brian for all the graphics. Looks so good. This podcast has been edited by the glorious Adam Shanahan. So happy to be back. My name is Fanula Jones. This has been Flap Culture. Until next week, Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.